This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, and casual ableism. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 332. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. Each week, I bring you a piece of my fiction, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 15 of Honor Bound by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 318 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Honor and Natasha's playtime was interrupted by Mabel, Honor's lady's maid. Mabel informed the girls that Lord Bellevue was on his way back to the apartment, and that he was bringing a whole contingent of guests for an impromptu dinner party. The change in plans had the whole staff scrambling, and it was Mabel's job to dress Honor for dinner. After confirming that Lord Bellevue's guests were members of the military, Honor told Natasha to put on her dress uniform, including her Order of Valor, which will ensure that Father's guests treat her with respect. Natasha attended the party as Honor had requested, but she soon found that nearly all of the guests were retired officers, not discharged veterans like herself. These were men who had not seen the front lines in the last war, for whom all the suffering and death were mere abstractions. Making small talk with such men was unbearable for Natasha, and she quickly excused herself from a conversation with Honor and two officers. As she tried to regain her composure over by the drinks table, she met Honor's father, Lord Bellevue. He seemed delighted to meet her, and told her that he would like to hear her thoughts on the proposal that his guest speaker is about to present. Moments later, the speaker in question walked into the room, Alex Hintownsend, the same androgyne noble whom Honor had befriended at the debutante's ball. While at the ball, Alex had worn a generally masculine form, now they had taken on a curvaceous, feminine shape, with a daring outfit of red and black that drew every eye in the room. Lord Bellevue introduced them to the assembled crowd, saying, I think you'll be very interested in what they have to say. Honor Bound The House of Bellevue Book One Written by L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 15 Appeal Honor stared, 
dumbstruck as the breathtakingly beautiful, noble Alex shone their brilliant smile at her father's assembled guests. Thank you, milord, Alex said. Their voice was a shade higher than when Honor had first heard it, and as rich and smooth as honey. And thank you again for the invitation to address this remarkable audience. Within these four walls are some of the greatest military minds in our history. They gestured to a wizened old man in a chair next to the fireplace. Captain Barrett Drowling, hero of the Ballantine Raid. Another gesture toward a man to honor's right. General Elias Hutchins, who led the Majora campaign that stopped the Telvari advance. A nod to a naval captain in the front row. Captain Ariston Sotoropoulos, whose fleet smashed the Yamatoans at the Battle of Chonglu. Alex spread both hands toward Cousin Tyrrell. And of course, General Tyrrell in Bellevue, the Desert Hammer. Countless people in Western Arombi owe their lives to his courage and sacrifice. Scattered applause and shouts of hear, hear accompanied this litany. The loudest praise was reserved for Cousin Tyrrell, though that may have been simply to show respect toward Lord Bellevue and his family. You are all heroes, Alex continued, and our empire is home to countless others, to men, women, and androgynes who braved the horrors of war to fight against the forces of despotism, fascism, and oppression. More than thirty million of us answered the call. Nearly a million never came home again. They paused at this, bowing their head in a gesture of reverence and reflection, Many others around the room did likewise. Then Alex looked up at them again, their dark eyes gleaming with unfallen tears. It is on behalf of the other twenty-nine million that I wish to speak with you today. Alex had their attention, that was certain. All eyes followed them as they stepped closer to the audience. In a few weeks, the leader of House Townsend, my parent, Noble Arali, is introducing the Veterans Adjustment Act on the floor of the Senate. This bill has the support of members from five of our eight political parties, and, I hope, by the end of the night, that it will have your support as well. It calls on the Majestrix to establish a Ministry of Veterans Affairs, which will provide a sweeping array of benefits to reintegrate our soldiers, sailors, and airmen into public life. Alex began turning in a slow circle, looking their listeners in the eye as they ticked off points on their long, elegant hands. Free higher education. Unemployment insurance. Vocational training. Low-interest business loans. Low-cost mortgages and a network of hospitals, sanitariums, and therapists dedicated to healing them in mind and body. A low chorus of murmurs ran through the crowd. Honor heard a few of the older men openly scoffing. Alex took this with good grace and a self-deprecating smile. I know what you're thinking. That all sounds bloody expensive. They said this in a low, gruff voice, as if they had turned suddenly masculine and aged fifty years on the spot. There were a few laughs, and Alex's smile broadened, just for a moment, before they turned serious again. And yes, 
It will be costly, but not nearly so costly as it would have been if we had lost the war. If these men, women, and androgynes had not given their all for the cause of liberty. Alex let those words hang for a moment. Some of the men who had scoffed before now looked down at their feet, chastened. Some of you will say that we have never done anything like this for our veterans before. That is true, and I believe we have seen the cost of that as well. Many of you had friends and comrades in the last war who are no longer with us, and who might have been, if we had done right by them as a nation, if we had helped them to find their way back to civilian life. Honor looked over at Natasha. The woman's eyes were fixed on Alex, and Honor could see the tangled mix of emotions on her face. Embarrassment, lust, sadness, shame, and hope. Honor had already gotten hints of how difficult the return to civilian life had been for her. Millions more were facing much the same trouble, or worse. Alex walked back to stand next to Lord Bellevue again. I will be here throughout the evening, and I should be happy to answer any questions you may have. After dinner, Lord Bellevue will bring out a letter of endorsement for any who wish to add their voices in support of this bill. I hope that I can persuade all of you to sign it. The butler sounded the chimes for dinner, and the guests began filing into the dining room. Alex's speech had sparked a vigorous discussion, and Honor saw many of the officers speaking animatedly with one another along the way. Natasha was still lingering over by the beverage table, her eyes fixed on some spot in the far distance. The other guests made their way out, in twos and threes, until she and Honor were the only ones left, and still Natasha did not move. Honor made her way purposefully over to her. Natasha, are you all right? she asked, pitching her voice low as she drew close. The big woman started, took a half-step back, then looked down at Honor. There was a moment of confusion, then a flash of recognition, followed by embarrassment. Fine, my lady, she said stiffly. Honor put her hands on her hips. You don't look fine, she said. And what was that business with Bath earlier? The man complimented you, and you just stormed off like you wanted to kill something. I had to make some rather serious apologies on your behalf. Natasha ducked her head, looking ashamed. I am sorry, Lady Honor. It is... These are not my people. They're soldiers and veterans, like you, Honor said reasonably. Surely that must give you enough common ground for a dinner party. Natasha winced. Officers and enlisted troops do not mix together, my lady. It is considered bad for discipline. Honor sighed and shook her head, feeling irritated. Well, you're all out of the service now, aren't you? I can't see why it should be such a terrible thing to engage in a few hours' polite conversation. Natasha's eyes went wide. Hours? Yet, this is my nightmare, speaking in front of people. Five minutes talking and I want to kill myself. Honor snorted, 
We were talking all afternoon. You didn't seem the least bit uncomfortable. Ah, well. Natasha looked down at her feet again, and Honor saw spots of color creep into her cheeks. This is different. You are very easy to talk to. I do not feel like stupid foreigner. You make me feel like... like maybe I am someone worth listening to. Honor didn't know what to say to that. And then all at once she understood and felt her mouth fall open at the realization. Goodness, she thought, with a mingled sense of shock and sympathy. You're shy. You're so big, so strong, and so beautiful that every eye in the room would be on you if you wanted it. But there's nothing in the world you want less. This was a completely different side of Natasha from anything Honor had seen before. With the way the woman had taken command of her, dominated her, Honor had thought that surely she must be a natural leader. Surely she could walk into a crowd and captivate everyone present the way she had so captivated Honor. But instead the woman had shrunk down inside herself, like a turtle disappearing into its shell. And Honor had put her in this position. Honor had insisted on showing her off in front of her father and his guests, and it was the worst possible thing she could have done. She reached up and placed a hand on Natasha's upper arm. I'm sorry, she said. I didn't realize this would be so hard for you. Natasha grimaced. It should not be hard. You invited me to dinner. I am one making fool of myself. Don't say that, Honor said gently. Do you want to go back upstairs? I can have some food sent up to you. Natasha's eyes flickered through a series of conflicted emotions. Honor could read her so easily. The yearning to say yes, the shame at what must have felt like cowardice, the dread of embarrassing herself or Honor in front of a room full of guests. She opened her mouth, closed it, opened it again, and then her gaze flicked up and over Honor's shoulder, a split second before Honor heard Alex's voice behind her. There you are, my lady, Alex said, in the tone of one who had been searching for her for hours. Honor turned and saw the androgynes sashaying toward them, their boots landing with surprising lightness against the wooden floor. Alex looked so impressive, so suffused with charisma and sensuality, that it was easy to miss that they were several inches shorter than Natasha, even in heels. With them so close, Honor was overcome with a fresh wave of self-consciousness. It felt like her tongue was sticking to the roof of her mouth. My noble, she said, before managing a belated curtsy. I, my father did not tell me you would be coming. And I do apologize for that, Alex said, giving her a bow from the waist. I was not sure until a few hours ago that we would be able to pull this together in time. In any case, I wanted to give this to you personally. They reached inside their corset, a maneuver that made Honor's heartbeat quicken, and pulled out an elegantly lettered calling card, trimmed in a border of black and red. Then they stepped forward, gently took her hand, and closed her fingers around the card. 
I... My goodness, Honor said, even more flustered now. In the intricate dance of metamore society, the way in which a calling card was delivered spoke volumes. Sending a servant with the first card showed a desire to become better acquainted. Sending a responding card in the same fashion meant that this desire was reciprocated and that either person might call on the other on the days when they were at home. Delivering the responding card in person showed an especially earnest desire for friendship, as one did not even wish to wait to begin their acquaintance. And placing the card directly into the other's hand, well, that suggested an interest that went beyond mere friendship. Of course, Honor could have deduced that much from the fact that Alex was still holding her hand. I must confess to having mixed motives, Lady Honor, Alex said, holding her transfixed with those golden brown eyes. I am here to rally support for the Veterans Bill, and that was one reason I approached your father today. But on a personal level, that was a secondary objective. I had such a wonderful time with you last night that I wanted very much to see you again. Their lips parted again with that devastating smile. And when I received your card this morning, I decided it could not wait. Then they raised the back of Honor's hand to their lips and kissed it. The sensation was electric. I... I thank you, noble Alex, Honor said, at last finding her voice. I enjoyed myself a great deal as well. A little too much if my hangover had anything to say about it. I'm very pleased to hear it. Alex released her hand then and turned their brilliant smile on Natasha. Hello, Sonja, they said just as warmly as when they had spoken to Honor. I believe I saw you at the ball yesterday, but we haven't been introduced. Alex in Townsend, 45th Infantry. They extended their arms, palms turned upward, an offer of friendship. Natasha who had been watching the entire exchange between them as stiff as a statue, seemed to shake herself before focusing on the lovely androgyne. She placed her own forearms atop Alex's, and their fingers closed just below each other's elbows. Natasha Volkova, she said. 91st Infantry. She smiled, and the expression looked a little dazed. Well, Alex does seem to have that effect on people. They parted a moment later, and Alex turned their body slightly to regard them both. I will have to make the rounds tonight with the older gents, but I would like it very much if you would sit with me for dinner. They gestured down at their feminine form, and a wry glint appeared in their eyes. We girls should stick together, after all. Honor giggled. <laughs> that sounds like a lovely idea. Oh, Natasha... What do you say? Natasha's eyes flicked back and forth between Honor and Alex. Honor saw the moment when she pushed her remaining reservations to the back of her mind. Duh, she said, giving them a firm nod. I can do that. And that's the end of Chapter 15. Come back next time 
when Natasha, Alex, and Honor get to know each other better over dinner. The House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks, at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Yevgeny Zamyatin said, True literature can exist only where it is created, not by diligent and trustworthy functionaries, but by madmen, hermits, heretics, dreamers, rebels, and skeptics. So come on up to the rogues' gallery with me. It's time for the weekly writing report. This update covers the week of June 4th through June 10th. I wrote 778 words this week, over the course of 2.75 hours, for an average writing speed of 283 words per hour. I wrote on two out of seven days this week. This week I started working on the edits for my Alex story, Out of the Shadows. Editing doesn't add a lot of new words to the story, which is one reason why my word count is so low this week. The other reason is that I was in a special week-long training class at work, which meant that I didn't have the chance to do any writing during my lunch breaks. This was also the week when I ran my five-day free promotion for Honor Bound. I took out ads in four different promotional newsletters for this event, and they made a big difference. On the first and last days of the promotion, when no ads were running, Amazon gave away a total of 188 copies of Honor Bound. On the three middle days, when the newsletters went out, they gave away 1,430 copies. By the end of the promotion, Honor Bound reached number 186 in the free and Kindle store sales ranks, including number 1 in lesbian romance, number 7 in fantasy and futuristic romance, and number 40 in romance overall. So that seems like a pretty successful run. Of course, the real measure of success is how many of those new readers go on to read the rest of the series. It's too soon to tell how many paying fans I'll collect from this giveaway. I need to give people time to actually read the book. If, in a couple weeks, I start to see my sales numbers picking up for books two and three, then I'll know that the promo is effective. Watch this space. Over on the Patreon feed, we have two new patrons this week. Please welcome SK and Brian. If you like what I'm doing on this show and want to help me keep making it, becoming a patron is the best way to support me. For a small monthly or annual pledge, you can get access to my new stories as I'm writing them. You'll also get access to character bios, cover reveals, exclusive artwork, and commentaries on past episodes. To get started, go to patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Take a look at the donation tiers and choose the one that's right for you. You can make pledges in U.S. dollars or a variety of different international currencies. And if you prepay for a year's access in advance, you'll get one month for free. Again, that's patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Huge thanks to all of you who've pledged already. You help make this show possible. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, 
Send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.